Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. All right, we're back live and in studio right here talking about can you hire in a fire in a Christ-like manner? And we did a show just a couple of days ago on can you hire in a Christ-like manner? And we're following up today, can you fire in a Christ-like manner? People go, really? Firing people? Can you really do that in a Christ-like manner? And I would say, yes, you can fire in a Christ-like manner. But here's the deal. The worst thing ever for your company is having to fire people. It is absolutely one of the most difficult things you can ever do is to fire somebody. In fact, if you as a manager, an employer, or as an owner of a company or a president of a company, if you have to fire somebody, it should wreck your day. In fact, if you have to fire somebody and you don't lose a little sleep, if you don't have a little angst, then honestly, you're probably a little heartless. Because this should be a difficult thing because when you fire somebody, you're shifting their paradigm big time. And But a lot of times by firing somebody, there's one or two reasons of why you may have to fire somebody. Sometimes you fire somebody just because... Their attitude's gotten so bad, you just can't fix them. But why did their attitude get bad? You have to ask that question. What happened to this great employee that I felt so good about that I hired them after that rigorous, can you hire in a Christ-like manner process? And then all of a sudden, now, now I've got somebody six months later that's got an attitude problem, and I have to fire them. I can't seem to fix them. A lot of times you just have to ask yourself a question. As a manager, is that your fault? Because if you're not investing in your people, if you're not loving your people, if you're not feeding into your people, if they feel neglected, their attitude's going to shift. And and 
a lot of times, a lot of times, but not always, the reason we have to fire somebody is because we've done a poor job leading those people. And so we have to step back and ask ourselves, you know, and you may be listening today and, and you're one of those people that's been fired and you're like, how did that happen? Well, sometimes we get fired because our position has been eliminated or our boss has had a lot of pressure on them and it's just a knee jerk reaction and we get fired. But sometimes we have to free people's future. That's what I like to put as a manager in a business. You know, sometimes you have to free their future. And it's because you hired somebody and the company has shifted goals. They've shifted core values or they've shifted the mission. And all of a sudden, the employees that you have, not all of them actually fit. And so you've got to help somebody find the spot that's best for them. And we call that freeing their future. Because if you keep them in a position that's not a good fit for them, it's really, a, it's just, it's messing with their life. So you got to just step back and say, okay, what's in the best interest of Jim? He's, he's a good employee of mine. He works hard, but it's just not a good fit. I need to free his future so he can go work in a position that's a good fit for him. So let's just free his future. And so you talk with Jim and you let him go. And really, someday down the road, if you handle this in a Christ-like manner, he's going to thank you. Now, I'm not saying that all people that you fire are going to thank you. But honestly, almost always when you free somebody's future, in the end, it's in their best interest. But let's just talk about it. Just get, dig into this a little bit. Because in the Christian community, we all tend to be compassionate when it comes to firing people. And as a result, our churches, our ministries, and our religious media organizations are all filled with people who are unqualified, unenthusiastic, and costing us money, time, and momentum. Why? Because we figure that it's wrong. It's not Christ-like to fire somebody. And I'm telling you, that's the opposite of what's true. You know, what did Jesus say to Peter when Peter had denied him three times the night that Jesus was crucified? Jesus rose from the dead and they're having breakfast on the shore. Jesus is cooking fish and he says to Peter, do you, do you love me more than these? Peter said, of course, Lord, I, I love you. Then feed my sheep. Three times he asked Peter that question. Three times Peter answers that question. And it was just to remind Peter that he denied him three times. So Jesus corrected Peter. He wasn't going to, I don't know if he was going to fire him or not, but he needed somebody that he could use to be the, the builder, the builder of the original early church back in the chap in Acts. And so we've got to stop looking at firing as one of those things we can't do as Christians because as Christ followers, we absolutely can fire people. But first, let's make sure that the reason that we're having an issue is it because you're a poor manager or because you could use some help learning how to connect with your people? You know, what we talked about in the hiring process that, you know, always when you're hiring somebody, find out what their personality type is. Find out what their love language is. Find out all about them so that you know exactly how you can minister to their soul. And I encourage you in that hiring episode not to just hire Christ followers. I encouraged you to hire people that were right for the position, that had the right character, personality for your company, and the right work ethic, because you can train almost any skill. But you can't train work ethic, character, and personality. And if you go through that process and you find out what their love language is, you as a manager can feed into your people. I learn my love languages, the people I work with, so that I can be proactive. You know, one of the, th the things that my wife and I, my wife Martha and I did many years ago is we did the love language test in our own home so that I knew how to deal differently with my kids. 
when they reacted with me. My wife's love languages are words of affirmation and acts of service. Well, for the first 24 or five years of our marriage, acts of service was how it ministered to my wife because I didn't know that words of affirmation were so important to her. And it's only in the last five years that we've really, I've really learned that. That's what really feeds her soul. Well, the same thing goes for your employees. They've got a love tank. They need to know that they're loved and appreciated in the office. And the way you show that to them is by by loving them in their love language, whether it's quality time, acts of service, words of affirmation, appropriate physical touch or gifts. You can actually tell them how much you care. And an employee who knows how much you care will always be very dedicated. An employee knows who he's appreciated That person, you, if you know that you're appreciated in your job, you will be the best employee ever because who doesn't want to go to work for somebody who who appreciates them? When you know that you're appreciated in the workplace, it's so easy to go to work. When you know that you're not appreciated, it's horrible torture to go to work each and every day. And so, you know, in the business community, we suffer from that same thing that the Christian community suffers from, you know, you know, you've got an employee and you're about ready to fire him. And they say, hey, you can't fire me. I thought this was a Christian company. You know, it, it, that's just a that's just a tough thing. And then they might throw at you, God will always give you a second chance, but you haven't given me a second chance. You know, we, we often, this whole firing thing, it just, people get very touchy, obviously, because you're touching their very source of income. Nowhere does scripture support the notion that it's sinful or even a poor witness for a Christian boss, a Christ following boss to fire a subordinate. But you better better make sure that you've done everything you can, that you've done everything you can to make sure that employee has been given all the opportunity to improve and that you as a manager have done everything you can to improve your behavior and to encourage and love your employee. That's the beginning process. We have to look at that. We have to step back and say, am I the right person? Am I treating this person right? Am I loving them like Christ loved them? Today we're talking about can you fire in a Christ-like manner? And people are going, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can't fire somebody in a Christ-like manner. And I'm, Absolutely you can. There's nowhere in the scripture that it supports the notion that it's sinful or even poor witness for a Christ-following boss to fire somebody. But let's just talk about, this is not so much firing as managing. If you manage well, you rarely have to fire someone. And the reason I say that, I'll just tell you that now and I'll tell you it again later. If you really hold somebody very accountable into their position, if you're really feeding into somebody, loving somebody, giving them all the chances you have, giving them the tools that they need, having frequent conversations with them, if you are managing them well and holding them accountable to goals and things that you set before them, If they fail, it's not because you haven't tried, but a lot of times if we hold somebody to that accountability and they're just not right for the position, they will often free their own future because you've done a good job holding them accountable. They know what the expectations are and because they know that it doesn't fit them, they're going to, they're going to release themselves from your position. And, and honestly, you should be seeing that happen because if you make it clear, they're going to go. Well, it's clear this is not a fit. I thought it was going to be a fit. I got to go find myself another job. And they're going to free their own future. It is often when we throw our employees to the wolves and we say, okay, here's the job you do. I'll talk to you in a couple of months. 
Those are the employees we often end up firing because they get bitter. They get angry. They get frustrated because they don't really know their job and they're not getting good communication and they're alienated from their boss. And, and so they need some help. So let's just talk about some things. So the process to avoid firing, it starts at the interview. We need to hire right for all the reasons mentioned before. Good personality that fits the character or that fits the personalities of those in the office. It's not going to clash with everybody in the office. You're going to hire for character, and you're going to test that through the process, and you're going to hire for work ethic. You're going to get references from people and have them say, yeah, this person's incredible. You are so lucky to be hiring them. On the first day of the job, take time with a new employee and set the expectations for performance. How much is expected of them? Not on the first day either, because first days, people are overwhelmed. Set realistic expectations so that you know as they ramp up as a new employee and they get to know people, really set, you should have a training schedule that makes it clear to them, here's what it's going to look like. You're going to hold them accountable, and here's what the accountability accountability will look like what will not what will happen if they don't produce you know set that up you're going to open up communication with them on a regular basis and say hey i've got an open door give me some feedback but do not expect your new employee to walk through that door they don't know whether you're a good person or a bad person you know as an as an employer as a manager i have often told people hey i got an open door but here's what i found is that most often i have to open the door i've got to walk out and sit down next to people and say Hey, how you doing? And I got to ask them. And I, I love putting my New York accent. How you doing? And you ask people that question and you really give them a chance to give you honest feedback. They need to know that you're trustworthy and that you are that you can be trusted with how they really feel. So you got to make have regular and scheduled meetings with them to evaluate their performance, to evaluate your performance as a manager. And if you've got dissatisfaction with their performance, you need to communicate it clearly and quickly. Give them a chance. Don't just sit there and and be and pound them for uh, making mistakes. Sit there and help them understand exactly what they're doing right, what they're doing, and that's true. What they're doing right and what they're doing wrong, and put it in writing. First, communicate to them. Then, communicate in writing. I always tell people. First deliver the news face-to-face, eye-to-eye, then follow up with an email so they've got it in writing. You know, the first 90 days should be extraordinarily intense for a new employee. And so they, um, when when you have a new employee, they you got to learn from their evaluation, from their observation. Those 90 days are super important for you learning about them. You need to study their work habits. You need to kind of uh, trim away their bad ones if you've got them. You need to, to comment to them if they've got a habit for showing up one minute after work instead of showing up five minutes early for work. Because honestly, we need to communicate to them. We don't If somebody's job is 8 to 5, we don't want them showing up at 8. Because they're not going to get to work at 8. They're going to get to work at 8.05 or 8.10. They need to show up early enough where they can get set up and going. At first, with a new employee, you need to meet daily with them. Why? Because you need to encourage them. If you see something that needs correction, you need to address it at once. But every day, they need to make sure that they really are fit part of the team. I always recommend in the first week on a job that you give that employee an opportunity to see and experience the whole company so they can understand the significance of their position. You know, you have them get settled at their desk. You have them fill out all that obnoxious, annoying employee paperwork. But then you let them sit down with people that are doing their job already and let them sit down with people that are doing other jobs in the company 
all over the place so that they understand how their cog fits into the greater wheel of the entire company. So you meet with them daily and get their feedback. Here's the other really cool thing about an employee. In the first 90 days, they're going to see things about your company that you've never, that you may have forgotten, that you may have missed. Those first 90 days are so critical in getting their perspective because they can see the forest and the trees. They're not lost yet. And when you're in those first 90 days, really encourage teamwork. Make sure that the people on their team are, are moving to accept because a lot of people are clicky. You know, I tend to be a clicky person. I have to break away from that, reach out to those people that are outsiders because the outsiders, all they need to do is they feel part of the team. Then all of a sudden they'll want to work even harder. But we have to just help them be part of the team. And again, we're talking about all these things because can you fire somebody in a Christ-like manner? And I'm telling you all those things to do to make sure you don't have to fire somebody because if you manage them well, 95% of the time they'll fire themselves. If you manage them well, you know, I talk, my recommendation is that any manager, if you're a manager, we're sitting there talking, I'm recommending to you that you meet directly on a weekly basis with all of your direct reports. Certainly once they're in a rhythm, the new people you're going to meet with every day, but once they're in a rhythm, meet directly month, weekly with all your direct reports. Why? Because in a week, a lot of things can happen. And if you're a manager and you've got multiple employees and you're not at least talking to them, even for 15 or 20 minutes on a weekly basis, there's stuff going on in their lives that you need to minister to, that you need to pray about, that you need to find out. They may have a problem. They may have an issue. And unless you stop them from their chaotic job and start asking them questions, you're never going to know. It helps you when you meet with people on a regular basis. It helps you stay ahead of things, certainly on their accountability and their communication. You need to teach people that you're trustworthy with information and that you're going to use that information to help make their job better. And maybe they're going to help you improve communication. The more disconnected they feel from you, the more ground you lose and more bitterness and anger grows in their hearts. And that's what leads you having to fire people. The more you communicate well with them, the more you stay in front of them, it eliminates those things. Here's for the new people, actually for for everybody, you should at least do quarterly verbal reviews for people. But for new people, after that first 90 days, they need to have a written appraisal, a written review. Because they need to know, is this a fit? Is this not a fit? What they succeeded at, what they didn't succeed at. They need to hear from you that they're doing a good job. You've been talking to them every week, at first every day, then every week, then every month, then quarterly. They need to they need to hear from their manager. Here's how I'm doing. It's part of that accountability process. But here's something another a lot of companies miss. Annual reviews. When was the last time you had an annual review? I've worked for companies that do annual reviews well every two or three years. That's not an annual review. That's a biannual review. That's a triannual review. How can you do good in a job if you don't even know whether you're doing your job right? If your manager doesn't communicate it to you, wow, that's just ridiculous. So if you're a manager and I'm talking to you, you need to say, you need to be honest every day, every year, and do a review and put it in writing and give people metrics to shoot off of. If you're an employee and you haven't had a review, you say, hey, boss, I might. Am I going to get a review? I need to know how I'm doing. Nothing, and, and here's the key. If you're meeting with your employees weekly and you're doing quarterly re- verbal reviews, nothing on the annual review should be a surprise. No surprises should ever come up in an annual review. Let me just say it again. If you get to the annual review and your employee is reading your annual review and there's something in there that surprises them, 
That means you as a manager have failed. Because we shouldn't be telling people things on an annual review that we haven't been telling them all along. Let me just say that again. We shouldn't be telling people things on an annual review that we haven't been telling them all along. You can't hold somebody accountable for their actions, for their attitudes, for their performance, if they don't know about it. If they're the first time they're hearing about it is on an annual review, shame on you as a manager. How is that Christ-like? When Peter screwed up in front of, in the disciples, and, and one minute he's saying, you are the Lord, you, you, are, you are the Christ, you're the Messiah. And the next thing Jesus says, hey, I'm going to have to die. And Peter goes, no, Lord, you can't do it. And Jesus immediately rebukes him. If your employers are wondering where they stand for you, or stand with you, you, you've made some mistakes. But that gives you an opportunity as a manager to improve. It's so important that we're meeting with our people because if you want to keep from firing people, You've got to do it in a Christ-like manner by communicating with them on an ongoing, regular basis. We fight a battle with an enemy that's already lost the war. Yeah, we're fighting battles, but the enemy's already lost the war. You've got to keep a good perspective. We have to keep a good perspective. When we're driving around Tampa Bay and we're fighting the enemy in our cars each and every day in traffic, that's bad enough. When we go in the workplace, we need to recognize that the enemy is present there. And he doesn't want you to be a light for Christ there. He's going to try to trip you up each and every day. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Today we're talking about can you fire somebody in a Christ-like manner and what does that look like? And I'm just trying to draw your attention to all the things that we can do to try to prevent us from having to fire somebody. Because if you do a good job as a manager, you won't have to fire somebody. A lot of times they'll free their own future. We talked about regular communication with people and how that's so important in those first 90 days to determine, is this person really a good fit? Is everything I saw in the detailed interview process we talked about in our hiring episode, did that prove to give me the right person? So we've talked about all those things, but let's just say, if all that is done and you've done reviews and you've communicated to people and you've held them accountable, and if you've done all of those things, which is we've done it in order to fire, in order to avoid firing somebody who's good and moldable. Because if we fail to manage, then we are managing those people to fail. Our job as a manager is way more focused on encouraging and equipping people than it is to do a daily task. If our people are failing, we have to look first at ourselves. Are they failing because of my management? We have to ask that question. And if you're a supervisor, a manager, an owner, an executive, when we've got people underneath us that are struggling, we have to ask ourselves, are they failing because of me? Because we can lose good people if you fail to manage them through good communication, accountability, through performance evaluations and discipline. You know, discipline. You know, sometimes the best of people need discipline. I have had needed discipline several times. Most of the time, not for job performance, but most of the time, I, I, my inner three comes out. That's why I like to describe it, my inner three. Where I will, uh, instead of, as James says, let's be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I've got a Jim Brangenberg version. It's not the book of James. It's the book of Jim Brangenberg. I am quick to speak, slow to listen, and quick to become angry. And that's right. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. I'm quick to speak, quick to become angry, and impossible to listen. You know, it's it just something I struggle with all the time. And so sometimes I've had to be disciplined because of attitude, because of causing a ruckus in my office instead of my performance. Usually my performance is outstanding. I'm a hard worker. 
I, when I go, I go 100 miles an hour. People get irritated because I move so fast. In fact, sometimes I talk too fast on the radio. But, you know, here's the deal. Discipline. Sometimes our employees need to be disciplined, and we know when it is. It's like when we're at home with our kids. We know when they need to be disciplined. And when you avoid disciplining, you're hurting your people. You're hurting your your kids. Never avoid discipline because the Lord disciplines all those he loves. And if we love our people, we're going to discipline them. We need to learn to communicate our expectations, our approval, and our disapproval. We need to learn to communicate it clearly. And never let the sun go down on a problem without making a promise to handle it. I tell people in the workplace, if you can and at home, never let the sun go down on your anger, period. If you got to deal with something, deal with it before the end of the day because all you end up doing is start getting bitter and angry in your own head. But everybody deserves a second chance. But sometimes that second, you give somebody a second chance because, you know, you're like, okay, well, they did that, and boy, it sure seemed a little slippery to me, or it seemed a little, I don't know, it seemed like they were playing in the grail a little bit too much. And so give somebody always a second chance, but but clearly define your expectations. But fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, excuse me, I said that wrong. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Because... Give somebody a second chance, fantastic. Give somebody a third chance, now you just look like you can't hold anybody accountable. We need to extend grace where it's necessary to show the love of God. Because sometimes people are just struggling because their marriage fell apart. Their child died. Their child is sick. Their mom just died. They're sick. Sometimes you have to extend grace because of unfortunate circumstances. It is very important that we we recognize those. We talk through those. Hey, Jim, I see you're struggling. I understand your mom just died. I want to extend some grace. You know, instead of coming to the office where I really don't feel like you're getting anything accomplished, why don't you take a couple of days off and just just step away from work? We'll cover it for now. We've got to give you those break. When you come back, we'll, we'll talk about phasing you back in again. But if discipline becomes necessary, make it formal. Never just say to somebody, here's what you're going to do if you don't start shaping up. Put it in what's called a performance improvement plan, a PIP plan. It it is so important to put it in writing. Be specific. Ramp up your meetings with them. Make clear the deadlines. Make clear the metrics that you're going to hold them accountable for. Exactly what you're looking for in terms of improvement. You must be direct or you're doing them a disservice and you're doing yourself a disservice. If you lose them and they could have been saved because of improving, putting them on an improvement plan, ramping up your management efforts, improving your management style. If you lose an employee, it doesn't matter how long you've had them, you've just lost time. You've just wasted thousands and thousands of dollars. And neither of those things, you've hurt a person, you've damaged a relationship, you've wasted time and you've wasted money. None of those things bring glory to God. None of them do. But if you have to terminate somebody, it should never shock them. If you've got a problem employee, they've been warned. They've been put on a performance improvement plan. You've communicated your expectations to them. You've communicated to them everything they need to know to be successful. And if you say, if you, and you've given them warnings, you put them on a plan, you put them on a deadline, and at the end of that deadline they haven't met their plan, and you fire somebody, you free their future. And that's what I like to say. Do you use that because you're freeing their future. If it's for performance, it should never shock if it's for behavior, it should never shock them.
because they've been warned about the behavior. You've put them on a performance improvement plan. You've warned them. And if it's an, because of ethical issues, it should not shock them as well because they know what you stand for. And if you catch somebody in an ethical compromising uh, situation, they need to be warned. And if it's serious enough, they may need to be fired right there on the spot. Stealing, um, having an inappropriate relationship with somebody in the office that is that is causing a disruption. You know, it, it, those things, they should know exactly how you stand. It should be clear in your employee handbook. It should be clear based on your behavior. So if you terminate somebody for performance, behavior, or ethical issues, it should never shock them. Because you've done a good job communicating to them. You've done a good job letting them know how you feel and what you stand for. But I would tell you this. Whenever you fire somebody, whenever you're going to fire somebody, never just do it knee-jerk. It should always be covered in prayer. And if you're married, your spouse should be praying alongside of you. And if, the, and if you're the boss and there's a supervisor underneath you before, you know, in front of this employee, you both should be praying together about it. But take some time. You need to pray about this. Make sure that your attitude is right. Your actions have been right. Make sure that you as a man, you know, bring in your accountability person. Bring in your trusted advisor and say, hey, hey, and, and I've got a trusted advisor. His name is Gene. And I'll say, hey, Gene, here's the situation. Can you tell me if I'm wrong here before I fire this person? Can you help me through this? Can you make sure that my heart is right before I fire somebody? And Gene will tell me. Gene doesn't have anything to gain or to lose from giving that advice. And so he's going to tell me whether I've done it. You know, I, I got a couple of verses. Uh, Proverbs 19.11, sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. We need to control our temper. But if those wrongs, we, we can overlook them, we can forgive them. But if they're causing a disruption in our business, if somebody's got a character issues, we need to make sure that we're dealing with those issues. Both the New and Old Testament indicate it's appropriate to excommunicate individuals from a group because of their behavior. Proverbs 22.10 says, throw out the mocker and the fighting goes too. Quarrels and insults will disappear. If you've got somebody in your office that's causing a lot of dissension and you talk to them about it, but they really just need to go, you just need to free their future because you're going to do better. The best thing is to try to help them learn from your situation, but sometimes it's just impossible. A Christian manager, a Christ-following manager, should never impetuously fire a subordinate or, or overlook Every offense. Nothing, if we've got somebody that's a, a subordinate that we just knee jerk want to fire him, absolutely not. How in the world can you display Christ in that? You've got to take people through a process. Avoid hasty decisions about firing or retaining employees, opting instead for a more time consuming path of circumspection and prudent reflection. Just think about it. You know, grace must envelop law at every stage of this uncomfortable process. In practice, this would mean that the Christ-following manager should offer employees opportunities to correct their problems. Evaluate whether the employee difficulties are really a function of poor management. Are they really your issue? Or is there something outside in their world that is causing them to really be a bad employee, a death in the family, a divorce, a marriage problem, something like that. Consider assisting employees who will be exited from the organization. What I always tell managers, sometimes we have to free people's future and it's going to hurt their family. And that's what causes us to step back and delay. But we can, as business owners, 
as business managers, we can find ways to help people out. We can help provide for them in the event that we fire them. We can say, okay, we're going to free your future today, but here's how we're going to help you. We're going to help you get hooked up with a job placing firm, and we're going to pay you for the next month while you're looking for a job. Of course, that means they can't get unemployment, but that's okay. They get unemployment after, uh, after a month. Occasionally, it will not only be appropriate, but actually advisable to drop an employee from the payroll to free their future. An individual who undermines your leadership, who arrogantly scorns somebody else, who, who, who really ridicules other people, somebody who's perpetually creating conflict, who's corrupt and cannot follow the work rules. Sometimes these people just, they're, they're just people that just need to be let go. There's no sin in this. If you've done your job as a manager, those no, there's no sin in firing somebody. Because you've done your job as a manager. You've thought through the process. You've made sure that you've done everything you could to save this person because you understand to honor God, you need to make sure that you're really feeding into those people, that you're that you're encouraging them, that you're loving them, that you're taking into consideration their circumstances, that you are making sure you don't waste the time and the money of the organization. God calls us to invest significant time and energy into our people. That's what he does into us. He takes a lifetime to shape our character, to be Christ-like. So we have to balance our compassion and our standards. We can't, we have to balance grace and the law whenever we consider firing somebody. We need to keep all of this into consideration. But when we get to the bottom line and we decide we have to free somebody's future, there's specific ways you need to do this. There's specific ways that you need to execute these actions to make sure that you do this in a legal fashion, in a Christ-like fashion. And really, if you've gotten to this point where you're going to have to fire somebody, here's some of the things you have to make sure that you do when you fire somebody. You know, you, if you get to this point and you really think you need to fire somebody, you abort the firing if the conditions of the trial period are met. The employee shows a repentant attitude. The employee is... Just you see that there's actually hope and outside factors have been taken into consideration and those outside factors are going away with the death of a spouse or the death of a, a, a mom or a dad or a child or some major thing. Give them a break. Give them a chance to recover from those things. But if you still get to the bottom line and this person just is not recoverable. You need to make sure that you fire this person legally. Make sure you do it um, in face to face with them. Bring them into your office. Always have a witness, but do it in a private setting where other people can't watch that it's going down. Make sure the meeting is short and to the point. Criticism should be honest and factual. Don't add uh, editorial comments. Don't allow yourself to get involved in an argument. Permit the employee to vent without responding in kind. Because Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Just keep it healthy. Because when you got to let them go, make it quick, make it simple, let them gather their stuff and escort them out the door. That's what you need to do.
take this city for Christ in this epic battle for the souls of our co-workers and employees. We need to be praying for them each and every day by name. We need to be purposeful in our actions to them each and every day, befriending them at every turn. We need to be intentional in looking for ways to serve them. Our Savior and Lord needs you and me to be the best employees around so that people will be asking why. Remember, you may be the only Jesus your co-workers and employees may ever meet. We need to prepare ourselves for battle. But remember, we've already won the war. Go out to iWorkForHim.com now and join the iWorkForHim nation tonight. You've been listening to iWorkForHim with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower, and I own my own business. But ultimately, ultimately, I work for him. <laughs>